Previously on the Martha Mindset. I think because Asians see mental health as quite a Western illness, they don't really want that to infiltrate our culture. And so they stay away from mentioning mental health or mental illness, and they don't really talk about it. Hey everyone, this is your host Martha, and you're listening to episode two of my podcast, The Martha Mindset. To all the listeners who joined me in my first episode, welcome back. It's great to have you joining me again. And if you're a new listener, thank you for clicking on this episode and do check out my previous episode, which looked at mental health in the Asian community. In today's episode, I'm joined by a very special guest. It's none other than my very own husband, Jagve. Hello, everyone out there in podcast land. My name is Jagveer, I am Martha's husband, and I work in IT support at a university in London. We're going to be discussing diversity in the workplace and thinking about what it means to be British Asian at work and how we've felt trying to fit in to different workplaces. So what have your experiences been in terms of trying to navigate your professional career as a British Asian? It's actually been really positive, to be honest. And it's really weird to think about it because I've done so many different things Mm -hmm. for my age, especially. Um, I've been able to tick off a lot of different boxes and try different career paths. But in terms of being a British Asian, I've never been in some of the positions that you have been where I'm like the only one there. Yeah. Or the only minority, the only Indian, anything like that. So what kind of places have you worked? We've both worked in retail. Yeah, B&Q, Big Ups. I worked in the Tesco and, you know, a lot of young people, mixed ethnic backgrounds, I think, a few Indian people. Uh, Royal Mail, I've worked at, obviously, big Indian population there. I did a film production course that was specifically aimed to get... Um, minority ethnic youth into the film industry so it was yeah specifically aimed to help us sort of break into it give us that experience from real industry experts and obviously because of the sort of people it was aimed at it was not a strange thing at all that I was Indian there um I wasn't even the only Indian person there actually but I'm probably the only Indian person that I know that was interested in getting into film yeah. But in terms of actually working on, you know, blockbuster films or uh, some sort of BBC production and anything like that, it is largely white people yeah. and people who have connections already. It's the same families, the same companies. Mm-hmm. So really difficult to break into that. And actually, Martha, you were involved with something similar, wasn't it? Creative Access? Yeah. So Creative Access is a fantastic charity that helps people from black Asian and minority ethnic backgrounds to find jobs in the creative sector Um, and as a graduate this was really really beneficial to me. It meant that just a few months after I had graduated um, and at a time where I wasn't sure what I wanted to do but I just wanted to explore as many avenues as possible I was able to get an editorial internship at Comic Relief. I think creative access are brilliant I think what they do is so, so special because they are really addressing the lack of diverse faces in creative roles. So if you're a graduate 
who is looking for that first role following your degree, then I would recommend that you check out the Creative Access website. There are tons of opportunities there. These are paid placements. You work with some fantastic organisations. It's big names. And I think you'll come out of these internships with so many more skills than you could ever imagine. It's really good uh, when schemes like this exist. It just goes to show that we are out there. us minority ethnic folk we're there um, we have the talent just like our white counterparts it's just a case of breaking into it and just someone giving us that chance in the beginning so charities like this are just amazing so you were lucky enough that during one of your summer breaks at university you worked at a pretty major name didn't you Initially, I wanted to be a journalist. So when I was at university, I did a few internships, um, including actually a positive action scheme at The Guardian, where I got two weeks worth of work experience. And it was fantastic. It was a brilliant experience. And I'll always remember it because for a very short while, it let me feel like I was a journalist. Um, And at the time, it really, really encouraged and inspired me to pursue that career. So that's one of the schemes that I did that gave me an insight into the world of journalism. And when you were at The Guardian, looking around, was it an open plan office? Yeah, it was open plan, yeah. Was it a sea of mixed faces or...? Ooh, I'm not sure about that. Um, No not entirely mixed so I remember there used to be um, a meeting every morning where they went through all the headlines and upcoming stories and generally spoke about the news and I remember I didn't really want to go into the meeting because I was just really aware of the fact that I was Indian and I remember walking in there and just standing at the back I didn't want to make myself known um, because it wasn't that diverse um, which is why these kind of schemes exist because they're trying to introduce BAME talent into the newsroom. I just remember that it wasn't that diverse. This is The Guardian yeah, which I always mean, champions this sort of diversity there's always some sort of black columnist talking about colonialism that sort of thing. Yeah 100%. But the people working there yeah, and are I all think, white. Yeah and I think that's still a growing problem in sort of newsrooms and I don't think that there are that many diverse voices that can call themselves journalists but I do think there has been a shift recently and I think it is changing I'm not an expert in this area so I won't comment on it too much but I do think that when I was there and this was around 2015 it wasn't very diverse and I was very aware that I was sitting at a desk in the Guardian's offices because I ticked a box for them essentially so I was quite aware that I was there because I was British Asian and because they needed more people who looked like me. This is precisely why these schemes exist. I mean if you go out and see that your whole office is sea of white faces Mm. you know people will say well why don't they just hire the best person for the job simple as that. Mm-hmm. That you know, we've been trying to apply to these jobs, yeah. and the truth is, people hire in their own image. Exactly. No, one hundred percent. Not only who's good for the job, but who's going to fit in. You know, who can talk about the same stuff that we talk about? Yeah. Who sort of looks like us? Who can we get along with? Yeah, and and talking talking of that, of the idea that 
employers only hire people that reflect them or resonate with them somehow. I think that because my name is Martha, and that's because I'm Christian as well as being Punjabi and then Indian, I think because my name is Martha, people look at my name on a CV and think, oh, she might be white. Oh, Martha. Yeah. Ooh, very traditional exactly. English name. <laughs> exactly. Beautiful British name. Beautiful Martha. British name indeed. So I think people look at my name on a CV and think, oh, she might be white maybe. And so they bring me in for an interview. And then I do think they probably get a bit of a shock when they see who I really am. Hi, I, I, I'm looking for Martha. Yeah, that's H- me. Has, has she turned up yet? Is that Ma- is absolutely 100% me. I am here. Oh. Yeah. Hi. Martha, Hello. so nice to meet you. You too. Shall we? We shall. So, what have people called you at work then? At work, even at school, to be honest, substitute teachers, especially. Yeah. You know, you're like I say, you're only going to see them for probably a day or two. Is it worth explaining your name? Yeah. Probably not. Right. So, if they're going to call me David, <laughs> then okay, I'm David for the day. If they want to call me Jackson, are you actually serious? Okay, Jackson. I'm Jackson for the day. This week I'll be Jasper. I'll be Jeffrey. I'll be whatever you want me to be because I can't be, be bothered to explain it. I'm also very introverted, so I hate having attention on me. I don't like repeating myself more than once or twice. Are you being serious about Jeffrey though? Uh huh. Jeffrey. Yep. That's like a seventeen-year-old man name. Yeah. Sorry if you're listening and you call Jeffrey. Sorry to any potential Jeffreys who we have offended out there. And there have been studies that come out in the last few years about people with white sounding names getting better jobs. Yeah. People hiding their traditional African names or Chinese names and yeah. going with the sort of Western nickname instead. Yep, yeah, I read an article recently on the BBC and it was so sad, but there was a guy called Chirag who was um, so uncomfortable about his name. I think he was saying that people couldn't pronounce it when he was in school. So he just started telling everyone to call him Craig. And it just stuck. (laughs) It just stuck. So this poor guy, his real name's Chirag, which I think anyone can pronounce. I mean, it doesn't take... It's not difficult at all. It's not rocket science, is it, to say Chirag? If I can say it, you can say it. We all speak the same language. But this guy is starting to call himself Craig because it's more socially acceptable and he felt like he would be included in society more. But um, yeah, as you said, more and more surveys and more and more reports and studies are continuously showing the same thing, which is that as British Asians or people of minority ethnic backgrounds feel like they don't belong. So I am lucky enough to not have been really offended or anything at work. Um, Everyone's been quite understanding. Or they've some know an Indian friend already, mm-hmm. so they don't, they don't treat me like a complete weirdo. Yeah, I know for you it's been the complete opposite, basically, hasn't it? You've got some good stories you can think of. Um, yeah, it has been a bit interesting, shall we say? And there have been a few instances where I've kind of had to second guess my response. I think people try to make connections with me sometimes based on the fact that I'm Indian. And I think they're trying to be nice and I think it is genuine from their side and they're just trying to relate to me or try and understand me better. But I think sometimes for me, being made aware that I'm Indian 
makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable so it would just be small things like sometimes I feel like people will start talking about curry or curry recipes and they'll sort of give me the side eye or look at me for a response as if I'm some kind of expert on curry but (laughs) I've I've you know I've got a very strong view on the word curry which is I don't really know what curry means I just don't discuss curry at work it's a no-go zone Friday night biryani or whatever it is I think so I think that's what they mean by curry but that word just doesn't exist in our language so not in the same sense no do you have any funny anecdotes or stories that you want to share so I used to work at a small building firm and you'd imagine that all the white working class men there were not very understanding at all or sort of suspicious of me or think I'm a terrorist or that sort of thing but actually they were honestly really genuinely interested in aspects of my culture right and they would ask, you know, when there was a holiday coming up, you know, you're going to do something with your family, you're going to see them. I heard you guys do this, you eat this. You know, how do you celebrate this festival? And it was really nice in that sense. And, you know, I came into it thinking I was going to feel really left out. Everyone's going to be a sort of white lad type person. Mm-hmm. And I'd just be on the side somewhere. But as I left that job, I felt a lot more Indian than when I began. I felt actually a lot more proud of being Indian. Wow. And also I learned a lot about their culture as well. Sort of, you know, similarities between us, sort of family interactions we have, you know, weddings and and parties and food and drink and all sorts of things, really. It was quite interesting. Um, Definitely positive experience in that sense. Mm -hmm. In terms of funny stories, I don't have that many. I remember one in particular when Diwali was coming up and I think some of us were discussing it and... One older English gentleman, who's, as I say, usually quite good about this sort of thing, he sort of went, Diwali, is that your tribe? (laughs) And I just thought, oh, that's... Where do I even start with that? That's just all sorts of wrong. That's really bad. That's... (sighs) Tribe. You're better than this. This makes us sound like we're uncivilised. It's not a tribe. I'm not from a tribe. I just... I just said no and left him. Yeah, that's really weird. That's, uh... I think in general, people do find it difficult to talk about our culture or stuff that we relate to as British Asians when they aren't from that culture as well. I'm not criticising people who talk to us about kind of festivals or religion or or things that make up our culture. But it can be quite uncomfortable to tell somebody that they have offended you or they've said something incorrect but I think sometimes we do need to just be confident and say to people actually you're a little bit wrong there and to just correct people because that's the only way I think that we can try and improve the conversations that we have about our culture with them and educate them as well about new things and if they get offended then that's their problem they shouldn't be making assumptions in the first place depends on who it is as well if you know it's somebody who is sort of understanding but has made a genuine sort of error then yeah. it's easier whereas if it's someone who's just not going to listen at all then you sort of you say yeah 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 whatever just mm-hmm. let them go and don't speak to them again hopefully I do also think though that it's hard for us as British Asians to bring up conversations around our culture so me personally I don't go out of my way to tell people about what I'm up to when there's like certain festivals in our culture that we're celebrating like Diwali um I tend to not speak about things that are related to our culture 
because I just find it difficult to talk about it anyway. But I do feel like we can sometimes only talk about it when other people talk about it and it's something that interests them or they've watched a program or they watched a movie. Um, And I feel like sometimes our culture, even though it's ours, it can only be ours when other people talk about it to us. Yeah, because for us, it's just normal life, isn't it? It's only when you're talking to someone outside of it that it becomes a thing, a culture as such. Otherwise, it's just life. Overall, though, thinking about how I've felt since starting my career, I think I do feel quite out of place at work. And I think it is in part down to being British Asian because I'm still trying to figure out bits of my identity, which bits are acceptable to share at work and which bits aren't. But also, I find it hard to understand what people find interesting about me when I am talking about my culture and bits that they don't care about or can't relate to. But ultimately, I think I just feel a little bit scared to let people in because my experiences are just so different and my life is just so different. And I feel like when I'm at work, I have to be a certain version of myself that isn't the true me. And I do feel like sometimes I suppress the part of me that is Indian when I'm at work just due to fear of what other people will think. I felt the same way a few times because you feel feel like you go to work and you got to put on the Western version of yourself or your English version of yourself, however you want to call it. One aspect of that that I found really strange was calling people by their first names especially when they're a manager or someone who's a lot older. Yeah. Obviously, we don't do that in our homes or in our families. If someone was to come around and do some work on your house, for example, you would call them, you know, uncle or auntie, that sort of thing. Yeah. So when you're in a white workplace and eventually you encounter another Indian who's a bit older, you're like, hmm, do I break the facade now? Or do I still call them by their first name? It's... A real juxtaposition of worlds it's a real contrast of worlds whereby you go into work and you have to almost put on that mask that you were referring to and tone down bits of your Indian identity but as soon as you come home you take off that mask and you put on another one and you're you you're British Asian or you're Indian, whatever you want to relate to. Going back to the story I was telling you guys about the guy called Chirag, who was calling himself Craig, his story was told as part of a survey that was done for the BBC Asian Network. Out of the 2,000 British Asians who responded to the poll, it found that more than half of British Asians had toned down their Asian identity to fit in, So that was 54% of British Asians had toned down their identity to fit in. And I think that really resonates with me as well, because I do feel like I have to tone down my identity and I have to be a different version of myself at work. And sometimes it can be a real struggle. And sometimes, and you may have encountered this as well, but sometimes the worlds collide in a weird way. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you get to work and you're used to being the toned down version and then when you bump into another Indian you think hmm 
how Indian can I be around them? Yeah. Because obviously they've turned themselves down as well. We can't go around exposing each other like that, can we? No. In the workplace. So I would say we're still in a kind of transition period, isn't it, in some industries? Yeah. I mean, you've got stuff like law or finance, certain technology sectors where, you know, if you're an Indian, it's not going to be that weird yep. to, to join such as me being an IT support person as an Indian, it's like that's nothing out of the ordinary, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but for sectors such as yours, do you think there has been an improvement or is there still a long way to go? Are people reacting in the right ways? I think it's a bit of both. I think there have been some improvements, but equally, we do have a long way to go. Thinking about my sector, so PR and communications, I would say that there is still lots of work to do. And while I have seen a few more diverse faces working in these industries, when I still attend workshops and conferences, I'm still seeing a sea of white faces and it is disconcerting. It is a little bit upsetting as well. According to the PR census in 2016, our workforce is 91% white and ethnic diversity across the PR profession still remains extremely limited. So more does need to be done and I think Hiring managers within the PR profession and within the communication sector need to stop hiring people that just look like them or sound like them. But in my last role, as I was leaving the job, one of my managers, who was black, gave me a piece of advice when I spoke to her about my concerns about the lack of diversity in our sector. And one of the things that she said to me was, to rise to the top and drive change through bringing in other people who are also from a minority ethnic background. And that's something that I'll really take with me. I think that now that I'm in the sector and I want to stay, I have to make the most of it. And despite the fact that senior leadership in these industries are predominantly white, and it is a whitewashed industry, it's down to people like us to be the trailblazers, to keep pushing, to keep brushing up on our skills, and to keep standing out, to become managers and then hire other people who are also from minority ethnic backgrounds so that we can put our stamp on the industry as well. I would be really interested to hear from other British Asians working in the creative sector. Have you had any struggles? Do you find it easy to be at work? How do you juggle your different cultural identities? Do get in touch. Details are in my SoundCloud bio. It would be great to hear from you. We're going to wrap up today's episode here. I think there are still a ton of things that we would love to speak about, but maybe it's something that we'll pick up in future episodes. From me and Jagvit, it's a big goodbye. Bye. Thank you so much to everyone who's listened to episode two. I hope that some of the topics that we've discussed have resonated with you. Take care and I'll see you in episode three. Goodbye.